In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. As most of you know, today is the day for our annual parish meeting, and so we just have this one worship service combining uh, those who usually come to 8 a.m. and those who come to 6 p.m. with those who regularly come to 11 a.m., um, as is the custom in many churches, we, we view the beginning of our annual meeting to involve worship. And so we are already in our annual meeting, in a way. Accordingly, it's my practice to offer my annual report um, now, in place of the sermon, in the context of the scriptures, trying to frame uh, what our last year has been like together, uh, given the scriptures of the day. If you're visiting today, today may seem a little strange, uh, but, but hold on, you'll learn a lot about our church. <laughs> This first Sunday after the Epiphany is known as the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've noticed, all the images so far have had to do with water and with baptism. The scriptures ask us to notice that in his baptism, Jesus opens a way for us to new life in this world and beyond. The scriptures point certainly to the baptism of Jesus, but they invite us also to remember our own baptism. In that first reading, God says through the prophet Isaiah, Do not fear. I have redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the waters, they shall not overwhelm you. This is a reminder of God's love and God's presence that runs with the waters of baptism. John the Baptist brings a message especially of repentance from sin as he baptizes. But as he baptizes Jesus, we see that baptism not only is about being washed and made clean, but baptism also has something to do with being bathed in God's love. And so through baptism... God says to each of us, just like we heard in the gospel, he said to Jesus, you are my child, you are my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. From the scriptures, from our own tradition, we see that baptism empowers us for faithful living, for fullness of love. And it means at least three things, I think. It means, first of all, we get wet. It means, secondly, that we make a splash. And third, it means that we share the water. As I look back over the year 2018, I can see how we've all tried to live out our baptismal vows. Uh, We've gotten wet, often by baptizing, Um, But also as we're baptized, whether as infants or children or adults, um, we live into that baptism as we deepen our faith, as we question, as we learn, as we grow together. The church historically has called this Christian education. A few years ago, you might have noticed most churches began to call it Christian formation, uh, kind of acknowledging that the the whole body and mind and spirit of a person uh, is shaped in the form of Christ. It's not just our head that's educated, but all of us. And so we refer to this growth in God's spirit as Christian formation. 
back in the day and still in some parts of our country. As many people attend Christian formation classes and programs as attend the main worship service. I remember going to a database conference a few years ago, and I was sitting at a table with a couple of secretaries from a big Baptist church in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Their big problem was that they had something like 7,000 people enrolled in Sunday school, and yet they only have about 3,000 in worship on Sundays. (laughs) Would that we had their problems. (laughs) In New York, uh, demographics and the pace of life work against that conventional model, but we do our best. Um, In 2018, we provided Advent and Lenten quiet days, which were sort of many retreats that offer time uh, apart, but together uh, to go a little deeper. And we continued Sunday morning adult formation classes that uh, I began in 2016. We'll continue those in 2019. And it looks like in 2019 we'll be able to add a children's program again, thanks to parents and volunteers. I'm especially grateful to Sarah Montgomery and Unising for beginning and coordinating the Young Adult Fellowship, the Young Adult Gatherings. And though I had nothing to do with their focus, I'm especially glad with the focus they've chosen. Um, at many churches where there is a young adult program, it's, it's primarily, if not overwhelmingly, social. Um, while ours is social, uh, Eunice and Sarah invite people in their 20s or 30s to gather at the rectory. They share a dinner, and then they discuss some spiritual issue or theological question or a section of the Bible. Um, I get to overhear their discussion, and they are brilliant and intimidating. <laughs> Both within and beyond our church, a number of our parishioners have been involved in in, uh, programs and ministries outside the church. A a number of folks are involved in Curcio, that program that invites Christians into renewal and deepening. They're always eager for new people to go on a Curcio weekend. Lydia Cologne and Jean Blazina are especially involved and can recruit and, and get you ready for that. Um, Susan Valdez de Pena and I are active in the Third Order Society of St. Francis. And uh, last year, there were a number of occasions when Third Order Franciscans joined in, in our worship and our fellowship. A big part of our growing in the life of Christ is simply keeping the church family together. And much of that oversight for this particular household of God belongs to our vestry. I'm grateful to the entire vestry, but um, especially to the the four vestry people who completed terms this year and now rotate off vestry. Um, They are Jean Geeter, David Liston, Marlon Matson, and Liz Poole. Liz Poole. (laughs) The P's always do strange things with the microphone. Um, Enormous and special thanks to Inez Lambert, who served as one of the wardens of vestry for two full terms, so that means four years. Uh, So since I've been here, she has been a warden. She's not going far, but she's taking a break from vestry. And so enormous thanks to Inez. A big way that we plunged into our faith in 2018 involved our participation in that program called Renewal Works. 
Um, the basis for the conversation about faith and priorities in faith uh, began with an online survey called a Spiritual Life Inventory. Um, while some of us wrestled with the language of that survey and we were frustrated that it wouldn't allow us to answer the way we wanted, um, it was the beginning of a good conversation about how God moves in our life, uh, what we're uh, experiencing and what we'd like to experience. Holy Trinity had remarkable participation, and so thank you for that. 116 people responded to the online spiritual life inventory. That's 89% of our 2017 average Sunday attendance of 131. I'm grateful to the Renewal Works team, Alexandra Harrington-Barker, Lydia Cologne, Beth Thomas-Kleinbart, uh, Joseph Lapina, um, Lapuma, sorry Joe, um, Yvonne O'Neill, Ashley Shepard, Marlon Matson, Calvin Dutois, Patsy Wiley, and Barbara Whitney, and Louisa Young. Um, they went to two long dinners about Renewal Works. They attended four workshops and um, have continued to pray and discuss and imagine what spiritual life might look like at Holy Trinity. They now hand off their work to the vestry, and the new vestry will be looking at, um, at those and other aspects of our spiritual life in the year to come. So you'll be hearing more. Um, long story short, um, those results from the Renewal Works survey are interpreted in the context of more than 200 Episcopal churches that have taken the survey and 1,800 churches of other denominations. And so we discovered that almost half of our respondents fall into a category known as growing a life with God in Christ. And so it means that people are curious and are up for spiritual growth and renewal. Um, Another almost half fall into a very initial stage of exploring. And so the church will take that seriously. What does it mean for explaining what we believe and how we believe and how to move forward? Based on the experiences and the results of other churches, um, there are a series of best practices that can be worked on over the next two and three years, and so we'll be looking at those. They include um, ideas for getting people moving more, uh, for embedding the Bible in all that we do, um, for creating more ownership so that people really know what it is they believe and care about it and can, can say in simple language or actions what they believe. Um, And then a final version, which is is a nice way of putting uh, words to something we already do but can always do better, and it's called pastoring the community. Uh, One of the reasons I was so attracted to this parish is because it's a community church. Um, I've often told the story of my walking on the sidewalk, and a lady said hello, and she said, "Um, I'm Jewish, but it's nice to meet my new priest. I love that sense that people around us claim and call this church home. We want to keep that going as new people move into the neighborhood, as we wrestle with issues of of gentrification and changing demographics. We want to keep pastoring the community and learn how to do that more faithfully. Our making a splash began early in 2018 as many in this church and beyond uh, joined those around the city and the world for... um for public protest to uh, to show our um, 
concern over political changes in our country and across the globe. Um, many of us gathered for the January Women's March. We had parishioners volunteering as nurses, um, as helpers along the way, as, as folks marching in solidarity and in prayerful activity for good change. Whether the issue has had to do with women or the economy or health care or immigration, many from our church have and continue to pray for God to show us how to live out our faith in a world that continues to celebrate meanness and selfishness and quick fixes. A number of our parishioners made a splash in our diocese with representation in councils and committees and efforts at teaming up with other churches. One of our wardens, Yvonne O'Neill, represented us at the triennial national gathering of Episcopalians called the General Convention. She served on numerous other boards and task forces, and and her service and other services uh, remind us that we're part of a larger church and we're connected to those beyond Yorkville. In Advent of 2018, I visited our Link Parish of St. Stephen's with St. John's in the Diocese of London, and I preached there and met their parish council and many in their parish. A number of you have visited our Link or Sister Parish, and uh, their vicar, Graham Buckle, will be here in two weeks and will preach here on January 27th. Um, last year, we, we built a, together a Lenten devotional, and we'll do, some, we'll do more things together in the future. Holy Trinity made a splash in our neighborhood with members serving on Community Board 8 and helping in the local historical and civil groups. Um, Our parish was put in a wonderful spotlight last March, on March 8th, as Erlinda Brent received uh, State Assemblywoman Rebecca Seabright's um, Award of a Woman of Distinction. Dudley Stone officially retired from the Triangle Theater, but he's still very much around, and we we have tried our best to live in his shadow and his big footsteps, and Triangle offered uh, good readings and plays last year that made a theatrical splash in our neighborhood and uh, create a nice sense of community for those who come and are a part of our programs but might not come on a Sunday morning. We made a splash in the neighborhood and the city with our preservation work that's begun on the rectory next door. Um, As you know, we navigated this long process for more than two years with every possible entity of of city government and and neighborhood, and um, finally with the approval of everyone along the way and city council, um, we received all the permits uh, we needed, and so you'll see scaffolding is up and, um, and work is beginning very slowly. Um, you can read more about this in my, my written report. Um, you'll recall that it's because of, of the new purchase of the smaller building next door that um, a zone change was requested by the new uh, owner next door, Mr. Arun Alagapan, and uh, because we sided with him in that, then Landmarks Preservation Commission has a particular provision where um, if he helps the landmarked building next door and all goes on, then he can get his change in zoning. So it's a win-win-win. It basically means that the company that will be next door, Advantage Testing, they help get young people ready for standardized tests. Um, They will cover up to $25,000 of any consulting fees that we might have, Um, $100,000 of any legal fees. We won't get near that. 
and they'll pay $10,000 for the first annual inspection of the preservation work, which has to happen every five years. Um, but the biggest part is that Advantage will pay for a million dollars in preservation of the rectory. Um, if it goes above a million, the church has agreed to contribute up to 300000 If it goes above 1.3, Advantage will kick in up to another 300. Of course, we're hoping it won't go above the, the million and we don't have to spend anything. Um, if we do, uh, we don't talk about it that publicly, but there is a roof reserve fund we could possibly use with some investments we have with the diocese. So we're not terrified by that prospect. But it seems like we're getting a whole lot as well as a new good neighbor next door. Finally, perhaps somewhat obviously, we've been making a splash on Sunday evenings, as uh, many of you and, and others have seen us on CBS's new series, God Friended Me. Um, later at the annual meeting, when you see the numbers of our budget, you'll see why in the vestry we've been saying, God friended us this year. <laughs> um, it causes a little upset with the rhythm of the, of the church, and um, some of our neighbors aren't so happy about not being able to park where they're usually do, uh, but it has enabled us for 2018 to have a budget well in the black uh, to not take extra funds out of the Preservation Property Trust and to do some wise uh, stewardship. So it allows us a year of sort of uh, taking a deep breath and, and still contributing and still building for the future, uh, but at least we're, we're ahead this year. So it's a little like winning the lottery, I guess, or doing well at Atlantic City. We're grateful for it, but we can't depend on it. We live out our baptism by sharing the water. Many of you are involved in this. Um, yes, by living out our baptism, we, we're called to get wet and we make a splash. Uh, but especially we're called to share water with a thirsty, thirsty world. We're fortunate with our location and the beauty of our building that we attract visitors to all of our worship services every week um, with lay leaders and my musical colleagues, Cleve Kirsch and Calvin Dutrois. We aim to do what the prayer book calls the, the beauty of holiness, which is to say we, we encourage people to, to notice God's beauty and love around us while at the same time not taking ourselves too seriously. We've kept our regular worship service schedule with 8 a.m. being the smaller and, and no music service. 11 a.m. is a little more pageantry, but we hope not too, too serious. And then 6 o'clock services, we moved from Drazel Hall into this space. And so at 6 p.m. we worship sort of in the round. Up here we add other chairs. Um, the music is, is um, a little more casual, a bit more acoustic. You'll also notice we changed the name. It used to be called the Contemporary Eucharist. And to me, that sounds a little like people in the 90s trying to use early 80s music and be hip. And so we decided that there must be another term to describe who we are and what we do. And so we decided Community Eucharist describes who we are, because that's probably our most porous service in terms of who's a member, who's not, who's an Episcopalian, who's a Christian, um, who's a dog, who's a human. Um, everybody comes together for a time of, of quiet and refreshment and renewal around the table. And so Community Eucharist seems to aim at, at where we're headed with that service. 
We've tried to share the water and um, through increased participations in community events, through Sacred Sites Open House Weekend and Mayfair and other opportunities to invite others in. Uh, based on those weekends, Catherine Henahan and, and Barbara Whitney coordinated a team of tour guides that have now begun offering tours every Sunday. You'll notice a theme. Um, Eunice and Sarah got the idea to start the young adults. They told us when to put it on the calendar, and it happened. Um, Catherine and Barbara decided we should have church tours. They organized it, called in other folks, told us when to put it on the calendar, and it's happening. Um, Yemisi, Aribe, and others have decided it's too long that we don't have something for children on Sundays, and so they're coordinating it, and we're going to start it, and it's happening. Um, so if the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do something you don't see doing, uh, gather a couple of people around, and we'll do what we can to support you, but but. This is the way it happens at Holy Trinity. Perhaps the busiest and most active way that we've shared water in 2018, uh, spiritually and literally, is through all the programs of Holy Trinity Neighborhood Center, um, especially with the leadership of our great president, David Liston, and an amazing board. Uh, we continue to coordinate all kinds of ministries with almost zero overhead. Emma Saban leads the kitchen team on Tuesdays as they cook and provide a great meal for seniors. Uh, four different teams, as well as our HTNC board and volunteers, cook the Saturday evening dinners, and we're grateful for all of that. Um, we continue to staff a shelter for up to 14 homeless men five nights a week. Um, that is scheduled entirely by Melanie Hill, a former parishioner who lives upstate, but she continues to schedule the volunteers. And our, our neighbor, Mark Roshkind, who is, who is Jewish, continues to coordinate our volunteers. And so HTNC, Holy Trinity Neighborhood Center, continues to be a, um, a way that we reach out, and it, it will continue to be a way that we can gather others in. And um, as we look toward uh, trying to get a basement over there in that other building that really works for us, we'll lean on uh, friends and supporters of HTNC to really make that happen in a, in a good way that helps the community. Huge, huge thanks to everyone. And so we live out our baptism together by getting wet and by making a splash, by sharing the water, and that's the great gift of being in a parish life together. Baptism also provides a paradigm for life itself. Um, just as one dies to sin and rises to new life through baptism, um, this sacrament foreshadows that moment when we die to this world and are brought to new life again in eternal life. In 2018, we mourned the death of Jackie Albert. And in the larger parish community, we mourned the deaths of Sylvia appenzeller Norell and Fred Burrell. Um, we also mourned with you for many of your own lost family members and friends. We've said prayers for them. We miss them, but we also feel their presence in the whole company of saints, and we, we feel their prayers for us as they wish us well and offer us their strength. 
I'm grateful to our parish staff, to Erlinda Brent, who does more than any one job title could ever describe, um, to Arnold Dorseville and Ozell Ryant, our sextons, to Jose Cornier, Cornier who, who joined us this year as an assistant sexton. They keep on going and they seem to appear just when we most need them. Um, Cleveland Kirsch and Calvin Dutois are my dream team of musicians, and so thank you for all that you do and bring and the many, many ways in which you minister to me and to this community. Um, Thanks to the Reverend Richard Smith for all his help as a um, somewhat retired clergyman who is busier than ever and always helps whenever we need him. So thank you, Richard. And thanks to all of you who choose to make this your church home. Um, We have stiff competition. There are great churches in Manhattan. There are lots of places to go and and be fed and learn and hear great music. Um, But we are who we are, and I think we offer a lot. And so thank you for casting your lot with us. If you're lurking on the edge, I hope you'll, you'll think deeply about joining us more fully in the coming year. Earlier last year, I was up at Holy Cross Monastery, and I was talking with one of the brothers there. It's an Episcopal monastery, so there are Episcopalian monks. And and one was asking me about Holy Trinity. And I said, well, um, in some ways, Holy Trinity saw big years some years ago. And so we're doing our best to rebuild. And we're about rebuilding and renewing and trying to grow in all the right ways. Um, He looked at me and he said, well... If you're an Episcopal church and you're not rebuilding, chances are you're not awake to our world. And I think he's right. For any church to be awake in a world that has so much going against what we do right now, um, it's all about renewal and rebuilding and not coasting on our past, giving thanks for it, but being open to the Holy Spirit to be who the Holy Spirit needs us to be in 2019 and in the next hundred years. The Holy Spirit is remaking us and reshaping us and rebuilding us. In 2018, we were blessed to see more people attending, uh, to see more people participating, to enjoy more donations from outside income and from inside income, uh, and to see little signs of our improving our life together. Um, Little things that mean a lot, like a front gate that opens and closes and doesn't scrape the ground, Um, uh, like major preservation work going on one of our buildings, courtesy of a new friend and neighbor, Um, like a new cleaning regimen in the basement of St. Christopher's house, so it actually smells clean down there. All sorts of small things that hopefully foreshadow big things to come. May God bless us in 2019 and show us new ways to live out our baptisms, continuing to get wet, make splashes, and always and everywhere offer to share God's holy water with others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.